What the F and what? Episode two, dogs, cats, and that lady did what? As I am for me, I'm as happy for you because this is your first time as a broadcaster to see the victory over Ohio State as a Michigan alum, as a broadcaster. Congratulations. I've got nothing to say. I would never rule out this team again, Nicole. This has been an extraordinary journey for, for Michigan and, and Jim Harbaugh. They have, they have proven everyone wrong, especially uh, people like me uh, who did not think they could get uh, to this point. I genuinely believe that Jim Harbaugh has done the best coaching job in the country. I would vote for him today as, as National Coach of the Year. Aiden Hutchinson, he'll roll up on you folks and let you smell his cologne. I tell you what. Can I say something? You certainly can. We're Big Ten champions. You say it, so I believe it. Michigan is the 2021 Big Ten championship football team. Does that sound good or what? Welcome to What the F and What. I'm Dave Wervant. And I'm Angela Clock. You know, I'm so glad that Dan Deardorff found something to say because here we are with our second episode. And we also have plenty to say. We're recording this on the Wednesday after the Big Ten Championship game in which our Michigan Wolverines won 42-3 over the Iowa Hawkeyes to become the Big Ten football champions. They also landed as the number two seed in the college football playoff where they'll take on Georgia on New Year's Eve in the Orange Bowl. And to throw a cherry on top of all that for all our Spartan fans, Aiden Hutchinson is a finalist for the Heisman Memorial Trophy. How freaking sweet is that? Well, and since you're talking about awards, Coach Harbaugh is also a finalist for Coach of the Year. And uh, let's give some shout out to Josh Gaddis, who won the Broyles Award for Best Assistant Coach in College Football. There's just been accolades among accolades coming down this week, and it's been pretty amazing to watch. Uh, the Michigan football and athletic department social media teams have been busier than all get out. Seriously, seriously. I mean, every time I go on YouTube to find some more audio clips for this podcast, there seems to be something new every day. If it's not the Michigan Insider, it's something from Brandstetter. If it's not something from Brandstetter, it's something from the Athletic Department. If it's not from there, it's from the Detroit News or the Detroit Free Press. Clearly, this is this has been an amazing run for a team that was not even projected to finish higher than fourth in the Big Ten East. Uh, and was unranked at the beginning of the season. They're the first... They are the first unranked team to make it to the college football playoff. Exactly. They had, what, a 2% chance to even get this far. So take that, Vegas. Well, and, and today's story of uh, C.J. Stroud saying that Ohio State has a bunch of members of their team that had the flu going into the, um, into the game is kind of interesting also. It is, and it's it's something that the Detroit Lions have picked up on, actually, because uh, before they head out, they are starting to leak that a lot of their folks are starting to come down with the flu as well, as if that would I mean, at least let us know ahead of time. (laughs) Right. 
<laughs> yeah, no, that'll be good because it's not like we would bet with the Lions anyway. I Are don't you know. sure? Depends on the spread. <laughs> it really fair. does. You know, That's fair. Really, at this um, point of the season, it's more do they lose or will it be another tie? That's what I'm kind of hoping for because, you know, ties are weird. But they are weird. Um, that opening clip, every time I hear it, this is probably like the fourth or fifth time I've heard it now, like our opening clip for the today's podcast. And it just like makes me tear up every time. And I just I, I was telling Dave earlier that one of my friends posted on Facebook that they've gone 10 days with listening to Mr. Brightside and how amazing it is and how exciting it is. So um, really proud of this team, really proud of everything they've done. And um, that's not to take away from any other teams that have been doing some good stuff, but this team has pulled out all the stops and man, Aiden Hutchison as a captain, holy crap, that kid, He's just amazing. Up. I mean, he came up with the idea of wearing the patch during the championship game uh, in honor of the victims over at Oxford High. Uh, putting uh, Tate's number on there and the four hearts. And, and as soon as he pitched that to to Harbaugh, uh, Harbaugh went and ran with it, and the athletic department turned it around from what I understand in like 15, 20 minutes. Um, yeah. So that's that's awesome. And, yeah, uh, that's what he said on – he was on Rich Eisen's show the other day and, and talked about that. So that was really cool. Yeah. The other really cool part is about how Michigan State tried to poison his soul uh, when he did a visit prior to joining uh, the University of Michigan. Um, I don't know why that is, but I will keep note of that because Christiana is supposed to be doing some college tours here since she's a high school junior, and and uh, you know I don't want her being poisoned by the red cedar. Oh. Even though it'd be nice if she were down the street from where you work, but that's that's fine. That's true. That's um, true. The, uh, but yeah, that, I, I do got to give some really cool stuff that has come out of this, and it's pretty amazing to yeah. see. Yeah, we we joke about our friends in East Lansing, but I do got to give them props. I do think it was a travesty that uh, Walker did not make it as a finalist for the Heisman. Uh, I think no, you did some research into that, I did. and I did. and I, we found out that this is the first year that they have they have limited it to four finalists. Yeah. So that is why there was not a fifth. Yeah, I, I looked. At, uh, apparently, they adopted the rule after last year's Heisman, said it would be effective in 2021. Uh, no more than four finalists will be recognized. I, I don't know why they did that, although I would imagine it might be ESPN saying, hey, you're making our show go too long, so you need to cut it back down or something. But it's really a shame. I think I think um, as, as much as I appreciate uh, Quorum and, and Haskins uh, and what they did for our team, I think Walker has been one of the one of the dominant running backs this year in college football, if not the if not the uh, dominant uh, running back. And uh, you know, if he hadn't been hurt at Ohio uh, when they played down there in Columbus, um, I don't. You know, it's, it's just a shame that that one game is keeping him from New York, and and uh, um, hopefully uh, he will get another shot at uh, being recognized uh, by the Heisman Memorial folks. Well, and speaking of Heisman, um, the odds came out today, and yep. it looks like Bryce Young is the favorite to win. Um, but holy cow, that Aiden Hutchison moved up to number two in the odds. So really? maybe we'll see something cool. I don't know. I'm excited. I don't know. Well, you know, and, and that would balance out the fact that he'll be the number one draft pick uh, and would go to the Lions. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm <laughs> really hoping that doesn't happen, but man. <laughs> right. So, 
But at the end of the day, you know, the important thing to remember here for our friends uh, from East Lansing and our friends from Ohio, uh, just know that we're going to be talking about these games for a long time. And it's our podcast, so we can do that. Yes, yes, we can. And we certainly will. So there. Um, but we do have some what the F and what to get to. Uh, big thanks to all of you who have been sending us stories and tips and requests and uh, and leads on some stories that we're going to talk about this week. Yeah, it's been been great seeing those emails come in. So, so you think we should play that funky sound transition thingy, Bobber, now? Of course. Okay, here we go. So you're an all dogs are the most awesomest things ever person. So go ahead and take this one. All right. So here's one out of Miami, Florida from the AP that ran just before Thanksgiving. So Gunther, the German shepherd, spent a recent morning playing with his tennis ball, rolling in the grass, slobbering a little and napping a lot. Later that day, he had a meeting with the real estate agent selling his Miami mansion that his handlers bought from Madonna who I'm also a huge fan of. Turns out that Gunther VI inherited his vast fortune from Gunther III, who inherited a multi-million dollar trust from late owner German Countess Carlotta Liebenstein when she died in 1992. Since then, a group of handlers have helped maintain a jet-setting lifestyle for a succession of dogs. There are trips to Milan and the Bahamas, where the latest Gunther dined out at restaurants every evening since his handlers like to make sure he's well socialized. Gunther also has a chef who cooks his breakfast every morning, and it's made of the finest meats, fresh vegetables, and rice. Sometimes he enjoys caviar, but there's never any kibble in sight. He travels by private jet, works on obedience skills daily with his personal trainer, and sleeps in a lavish round red velvet bed overlooking the bay. He lives in Madonna's former master bedroom, said real estate agent Ruthie Asseline, who nabbed the listing with her husband Ethan for the 1.2 acre property in a row of a half dozen waterfront homes next to a public county park and on the same street where Sylvester Stallone once lived. The Asselines are accustomed to multi-million dollar listings but this one seemed unbelievable. When it was explained that this house was bought by a German shepherd I was like what are you talking about? When she first met Gunther she, he covered her face with such sloppy kisses that he licked off her lipstick. He literally sleeps overlooking the most magnificent view in an Italian custom bed in the former bedroom of the greatest pop star in the world. Carla Rotellis is one of Gunther's main caretakers and part of the board that manages the trust now worth over $500 million. The group has purchased lots of real estate, but also purchased sports teams, including a men's soccer team and a women's swimming team. Yeah, it seems like Gunther has played on his team soccer field and attended the swimming meets. So let me get this straight. A dog uh, who does not speak in complete sentences correct, is worth $500 million and is selling prime real estate in South Beach. Yep, that's right. The same city that hosts the Orange Bowl. Oh. So my question, first off, is... Will the Wolverines go to Gunther's house for a party before the game? No, or they've got to focus on the game. Will, will Gunther invite the Bulldogs in? I mean, that seems a little weird to me. The other question I've got, the story says Gunther the Sixth inherited all this kizash from Gunther the Third. 
What happened to Gunther the Fourth and Fifth? Did Gunther the Sixth bump these dogs off so he inherited the money? No, maybe Gunther the Fourth and Gunther the Fifth were both disappointments to Gunther the Third. Right, because that makes total sense that an old German Shepherd, Gunther the Third, would say no to you and no to you because you know clearly we as humans would be able to understand <laughs> he's kicking people out of the family. I mean, they could just be the black sheep of the family and very big disappointments. Who knows? I think there's a Days of Our Lives story here. I think oh, after man. after they settle the whole Days of Our Lives devil Marlena possession floating over her bed type thing, that they will somehow figure out. John Black uh, has some sort of connection to Gunther, and he's now going to solve the murder of Gunther the Fourth and Fifth, and all that money then will go to Brady or something. I don't know. Honestly, I think Stefano is behind it all. I agree. He is he is the <laughs> epitome of all evil. If anything that goes wrong in the world is all all Stefano's fault. Stefano. What the F and what, Stefano? Well, that Gunther is one lucky dog, Gunther the sixth, um, because we don't know what happened to fourth or fifth. So um, we're going to go with Gunther the sixth as one lucky dog. So what the F and what? What the F and what? So this next one comes from our first group of special correspondents. We've got Amanda Fisher from Lansing who sent me this one uh, a long time ago, uh, back in March. And while you're a dog person, she's a cat person, which means we get to call Amanda our special cat news correspondent. I think she found this story in People Magazine, but it's also possible that she found it in The Smoking Gun. Dateline, March 2021. A Michigan man has been arrested after he allegedly broke into a home pointed a gun at a man's head, and demanded he give him two cats. The 52-year-old man, later identified as Warren Myers, is facing home invasion and felonious assault charges, according to the Lorium. L-A-U-R-I-U-M. Lorium? Yeah, up in the UP. Uh, According to the Lorium Police Department, which is in Houghton County, according to Police Sergeant uh, Kurt Erkula, There was a dispute over the cats. I think there was some ownership dispute, but it wasn't the suspect's cats. The suspect entered the home around 4.15 a.m. The alleged victim told police he woke up to a gun pointed at his head and the suspect demanding he give him the two cats that were at the residence. Myers left the house with one of the felines. He was later apprehended and police found a cat in the area, but it is unclear if it was the stolen animal. As of today, the case still has not been solved, uh, and the court case has not been uh, finalized. So what happened to the second cat if he left the house with one cat? If the cats are anything like my old cats, Buster and Indy, may they rest in peace. Buster was the friendly cat. He probably went along with him. That's probably the cat that he walked out with. Indy probably quickly hid under the bed or tried to attack him as if he was Samuel L. Jackson in Captain Marvel, because Indy would do that. Indy would go after eyes. That is true. Indy would. I'm surprised, one, that this is a story from the UP as opposed to Florida, because usually that's where all, all the good stories come from. But two, are cats worth violent felonies? 
I mean, it depends on what kind of cat it is because there are those really expensive cats out there that could be worth what Gunther was worth. What if Gunther had something to do with this? He thought maybe the cat was somehow had a a, 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 a claim to Gunther the Third's fortune. <laughs> I feel like Gunther the Sixth is way too busy with his lavish life to care about what this cat does. Maybe, but then again, Gunther the Sixth middle name could be Stefano, and Stefano's got his hands in everything because at the That's end, true. it all comes back to Stefano. Yeah, it just seems like, at least for me, not being a cat person, I, I don't see why you would even like go to try to get a cat by gunpoint and waste a felony on that. It's a good thing I'm a cat and a dog person, however, so what the F and what. So this one has a team of special correspondents, Dave. Um, so our special travel correspondents, Karen Brown, Kara Doma, Amanda Fisher, and Charlie Rue all teamed up and tagged us in this story um, that happened on a flight between Syracuse, New York, and Atlanta, Georgia. Hot Atlanta. Yes, that is correct. And this one is so crazy, it takes four people to flag it down for us. So here we go. A woman on a Delta Airlines flight reportedly began to breastfeed her cat during the flight and refused to stop when confronted by the crew. What? A woman on a Delta Airlines flight reportedly began to breastfeed her cat, her cat, during the flight and refused to stop when confronted by the crew. A viral message posted on social media shows a screenshot of an aircraft communications addressing and reporting system from the pilot to the ground that says, required red coat meat AC packs in seat 13A is breastfeeding a cat and will not put cat back in its carry carrier when flight attendant requested. Flight attendant Ainsley Elizabeth, who allegedly was on the flight, added on TikTok on November 13th, this woman had one of those like hairless cats swaddled up in a blanket so it looked like a baby. Her shirt was up and she was trying to get the cat to latch and she wouldn't put the cat back in the carrier. And the cat was screaming for its life. Delta allows passengers to bring small dogs and cats as emotional support animals into the cabin during the flight, but they have to stay in a carrier under the seat in front of them for the entire flight. Delta says they have seen passengers interpret, quote, emotionally supportive, quote, unquote, to mean turkeys, gilding possums, snakes, spiders, and more. Snakes, spiders, turkeys on an airplane. What you're saying, though, is that our good friend Jay Johnson, a past president of the Michigan Junior Chamber, who always rises up, is never flying Delta because they allow emotionally supportive spiders on board. Well, if he does fly Delta and finds one of those emotionally supportive spiders, he's burning that plane to the ground. Did you see that house that burned down about because the guy was trying to get rid of a snake infestation? I did. <laughs> There's another what the what story. Seriously, that, I'm sure that'll be a future one. We'll put our correspondents, Amanda, Charlie, Kara, Karen, find that story for us. And Jay, man, I'm sorry. You can't fly Delta anymore. You hate spiders. They've got, they allow emotionally supportive spiders. What do you, how does a spider emotionally support you? Does he bite you to turn you into Spider-Man or Spider-Woman or? 
what's really weird about this is well first of all the funny part was that karen when she posted it on facebook had commented that she was originally going to be mad at Delta for not allowing somebody to breastfeed on a flight, but then realized it was a cat she was trying to breastfeed and not a baby. I'm all for breastfeeding babies on flights because that's that's what we're supposed to do is, sure. you know, as mothers. But a cat? Yeah. I really can't figure that one out. I think that would be painful. I mean, I would babies, think so too. They have teeth. No teeth. Or, or not many teeth. Cats have very They're sharp very teeth. They're very sharp. Going back to my cats, Buster and Indy, their teeth quickly punctured my hands quite often. They're, I think there's still blood stains on my carpet from trying to chase them down, trying to give them a, a pill from the vet that one time. Ah, uh, yes. Because, you know, vets tell you to give them pills. They don't tell you how to give them pills. Anyway, at the end of the day, I'm still a fan of Delta. Uh, and I'm sure that they have said what the F and what numerous times to people. So let's say it with them right now, Angela. What, what the, the F, F and what? what? So friends, that's the show for today. How are you feeling about this podcast thing so far? I mean, it's going well. I mean, I wanted to record last week after the Ohio State win already because I was so excited about it. So, you know, I wanted to get that on record, but we had to wait till this week to stick with our schedule. Right. But then that brought us a Big Ten championship to talk about also and a lot of awards for the University of Michigan Wolverines. So it did. That's all right. It did. Plus, it gave you some more time to deal with with library sciences, which I was going to ask you about. What is a master's of library sciences? A lot of people think librarians just read books and recommend books to people and help you find books. Um, that is true to a certain extent. Um, but a lot of with uh, increase in technology over time, um, and especially in recent years, a lot of it is also helping people find credible resources um, because the internet is filled with a bunch of different stuff that may or may not be credible. So, so wait a minute. So you tell me that one story I saw about Abraham Lincoln saying that lightsabers can be made if you find the right kind of battery is actually not a real story. I'm sorry to break it to you, but that is true. It is not a real oh, story. Rats. I know. I know it's really it's really sad when people find that kind of stuff out. But um, there's also, you know, a lot of things that that are also talked about in library science. Um, I am working on youth and public libraries. And so, you know, knowing what kids uh, developmental stages are and, and what helps them in literacy and things like that. So we a lot of my classes cover a lot of those things. Um, it depends on what field you go into. Obviously, we have a we have another couple of friends, one who's also doing public libraries, and then another friend that's doing um, special collections, a comics collection, and hoping to uh, go into that field once he graduates. So, um, I think there's just a lot of information out there, a lot of knowing how to search databases, which can be really difficult at times, especially if you're not used to it. Um, and knowing what to find. So cool. yeah, that's, that's the quick and dirty on library sciences. So I would imagine, cause you've, you've got a master's in public administration already. Yes. And that helps you with like grant writing and stuff like that. So I would imagine once you've finished this master's program that you will be probably very well, uh, sought out, uh, because I would imagine libraries need to find grant funding to supplement whatever funding they get 
uh, from a municipality or whatever. So um, I think that's awesome. Yeah, like- it certainly doesn't. It, it's a skill set that certainly doesn't hurt. And I have that master in public administration from Western Michigan University. Go Broncos. And so, um, you know, it's just one of those things that I feel like it will help. Hopefully, um, I'm going to start job hunting here next semester because it's my last semester and I am scheduled to graduate in May. So cool. we'll see. So- we'll see how that goes. But I've got another couple days to finish my last paper and then. I will be done for the semester. Huzzah. Yay. So when you graduate, are you going to go down to Kentucky to actually walk at, was it Rupp? Is that the arena down there? Rupp Arena? No, because it's in Lexington. Um, And so what's funny is it's that the weekend of graduation is the same weekend as the Kentucky Derby. And um, they actually have adjusted graduation times so it doesn't conflict with the Derby. Um, I luckily thought way ahead of time and booked a hotel room back in September um, because I I didn't realize it at the time that they were the same weekend, Um, but Lexington's only about an hour outside of Louisville. And so um, I would guess it's really busy considering Lexington is also a very big horse horse, uh, breeding area. So um, I luckily got a hotel room. So hopefully well, I'll be going down there to and, and visit some of our Kentucky friends. Hey Kiki. <laughs> <laughs> the, I think the I think the other big question will be on that weekend, as you celebrate the completion of your library library program. The the question is how many mint juleps will you have that weekend in relation to graduation as opposed to the number of mint juleps you'll have in relation to the Derby. Does it really matter at that point? Maybe for FanDuel. <laughs> but so uh, it, I think faux duck is coming up too for you. It is. The, the life of a lobbyist in Lansing has changed a lot over the last few years. It used to be every other year you would deal with lame duck and crazy hours and long session days and, and standing on the, the tiles outside the House and the Senate with, with feet that just keep throbbing because, you know, standing on marble is such a comfortable thing um but now it seems as if legislators keep forgetting that the 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 session lasts for two years and so we get to the end of a calendar year the non-election year and they 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 quick schedule a whole bunch of things and they've got to do all this stuff and and everything's in a rush and i can't figure out why it's in a rush nobody figures out why it's in a rush but the one thing i am happy about is even during faux duck as much as we celebrate this during lame duck Amanda Fisher brings some of the best cookies around. And so I think at some point in a future episode, we will have to have Carrie May, our good friend Carrie May, who is famous for chocolate chip cookies with a stick of butter in each cookie. Not just each pan of cookies. No, but no, each they're cookie. made with love. They are. Love is the special ingredient. Exactly. Love that that sometimes clogs the arteries. But that's fine, because that's that's love. Anyway, so having a, a Carrie May cookie contest versus the Amanda Fisher cookies, uh, I think is worthwhile. And maybe if it's really popular, we'll get Carrie to come down to the Capitol and have all the lobby corps be a part of that. And I just want cookies. Why does at it the have to day. be a contest? Why can't we just eat cookies and enjoy them? Because I'm a lobbyist. That's what we do. We we compete all the time. <laughs> Fair. But there was a year there was a year when I worked in the Senate that I was baking cookies pretty much every night during the holidays. And I would bring them into the Senate Democratic Caucus room every day. And everyone was like, yeah, cookie 
cookies. <laughs> we never had cookies in the Republican caucus room. We had yeah, alcohol. Well, we we had, also had that, but you know, <laughs> we had alcohol. We had pizza. We had uh, yaya's. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. There was a year that, like, for three straight weeks, I was bringing cookies in every day. I think that's a future episode. Well, our our stories of the time that we did battle in the Michigan Senate, or something like that. <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. But you know, as crazy busy as we might be between libraries and fold duck legislative sessions, folks, please remember that we've got one of these coming out every couple of weeks, and we really want to hear from you. So if you see something that makes you go, what the F and what, drop us a line so we can mention you as a special correspondent or even have you on the show if you're willing to call in. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, Amanda Fisher. So big thanks to Amanda Fisher, Karen Brown, Cara Doma, and Charlie Brown, Charlie, Charlie Brown, Charlie Root. I'm not going to edit that out. We're keeping that in because Charlie needs to know he's Charlie Brown Root. He's going to love it. Um, so and Charlie Root for your stories this week. Don't forget, you can follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash DQ Worthams on Twitter at DQ Worthams on my blog at DaveWorthams.com. And starting on December 30th, catch me hosting my trivia live at Buddy's in Portage, Michigan on Thursday nights where the first question flies at seven and there will be Thursday night team trivia. And a dreaded round five. Yes, where people will boo me because I'm evil like that. And then you can follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash aclack and on Instagram at fallingstar924 or at geekgirlreadsitall. So from the home office in Kalamazoo, Michigan and the remote office from Okemos, Michigan, remember... Go Blue! Go Broncos! We'll see you later. Intro music is titled Mr. Brightside, performed by the Killers. The sound clips of Jim Brandstatter and Dan Deardorff are credited to the Learfield and the Michigan Sports Network. The sound clip of Paul Bite Me, We Beat Ohio State 42 to 27, despite what you said, fine bomb, is credited to ESPN. The sound clip of Gus Johnson talking about Aiden Hutchinson's cologne is credited to Fox Sports. Well, good for you, girl. Um, library. Library.